Welcome to Traveling Culturati, where we explore cultures and share travel news, travel tips, destinations, and travel chats. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Well, hey there, fellow Culturati. Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. Well, it's winter, and it's actually winter until March. When winter begins in December, we have the holidays on our mind. And after that, we start thinking about winter jaunts. For some of us, that means flocking to where the snow falls and those winter activities. But for some, that means fleeing the cold weather in search of higher temperatures and fun in the sun, which usually includes a beach. So whether you're a snow bunny or a snow bird, we've got some winter jaunts for you today for you to consider now and for your future travel plans. We'll also have Javon's Travel Minute and the Culture Report. But right now, let's get into some travel news. As the inauguration is now a thing of the past and we have a new president, Joseph R. Biden, our 46th president of the United States, we're asking how will it affect the travel industry as this political power shifts from Republicans to Democrats in both Congress and the White House. What will this mean to the travel industry? Well, for starters, the new stimulus package. Biden's proposed $1.9 trillion stimulus package has received praise from the travel industry. Eben Peck, executive vice president, advocacy for the American Society of Travel Agents, said that we welcome and wholeheartedly support the provisions of President Biden's COVID-19 relief proposal that will help spur the travel industry's recovery and provide support to ASTA members, its employees, and independent contractors. And U.S. Travel President and CEO Roger Dow said, accelerating the distribution of vaccines is the key to getting travel back to normal. And we applaud President Biden's emphasis on a robust federal leadership role to get as many people vaccinated as quickly as possible. Then there are the mask mandates. According to President Biden's chief of staff, Ron Klain, Biden will sign an order that requires masks on federal property and for interstate travel, a move that many members of the travel industry have praised. And of course, there's COVID-19 travel restrictions. The 45th president announced a lifting of travel restrictions from the UK, the EU, and Brazil that was set to be lifted January 26. However, President Biden is blocking this move. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said the Biden administration will follow medical advice. And the Muslim travel ban, the reversal of an executive order by former President Trump that banned travelers from seven Muslim-majority nations from coming to the United States. The ban included significant restrictions on travelers from Iran, Iraq, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, Syria, and Yemen. When it was originally signed, Iraq and Sudan were later removed, and Chad, North Korea, and Venezuela were added. The administration then put restrictions on travelers from Eritrea, Kyrgyzstan, Myanmar, Nigeria, and Tanzania, and then re-added Sudan. The Biden administration looks to lift or reverse that Muslim travel ban as an executive order. Let's talk about Cuba travel. Travel advisors are hoping that the Biden administration could ease Cuba travel rules putting back in place the lighter travel rules former President Barack Obama put in place, the liability waivers. Now, not everything coming along with the Biden administration will be a win for the industry. ASTA was hoping to help travel advisors with liability waivers, shielding them from lawsuits for selling travel during the COVID-19 pandemic. But Peck noted that securing the waivers will be trickier with the new Biden administration and Democratic control of the House and Senate, saying, we don't want our members to have any legal exposure for sending folks on the road. And the travel tax credit. 
Something that continues to resurface is the proposal of a travel tax credit. It was first mentioned back in June and circulated Congress and the White House as the Explore America tax credit, a proposal that would give a $4,000 tax break to families for vacation expenses at hotels, theme parks, and other tourism businesses through the end of 2021. The travel industry has continued to rally for the proposal, but there has been little movement on the issue since the original negotiations for a second stimulus package stalled in Congress. Dow said, we've proposed a tax credit for travel and we want to show people that it's addictive because when people travel, they spend money and they create jobs. We think it's one of the easiest ways to get travel moving again. Remember those passengers who harassed Romney on the flight? Well, they've been put on the no-fly list. Delta Airlines put customers who harassed Senator Mitt Romney on a flight from Salt Lake City to Washington, D.C. on that no-fly list. Delta CEO Ed Bastian told Reuters in an article that was published last week. Video shared on Twitter on Tuesday, January 5, showed several rows of passengers yelling at the Utah senator and questioning him ahead of Congress counting and certifying the Electoral College votes in the presidential election. Your constituents want to know why you're going to certify the Electoral College, a passenger yelled at the senator, calling him a traitor. The Federal Aviation said it will take action against passengers who physically or verbally threaten airline crew or other passengers after that video surfaced. The agency said that there has been a disturbing increase of incidents where airline passengers have disrupted flights with threatening or violent behavior. These incidents have stemmed both from passengers' refusal to wear masks and from the recent violence at the U.S. Capitol. Under the new order signed by Administrator Stephen Dixon, Unruly passengers will no longer get warnings and the agency will launch legal enforcement actions. Penalties can include fines up to $35,000 and jail terms for passengers who assault or threaten airline crews or other passengers. The Hotel Association in Cancun is taking matters into its own hand. They're planning to provide travelers with COVID-19 test options for their return trips home as travel restrictions continue to tighten. Hotel Association head Roberto Centron Gomez says he is in talks with the state governor Carlos Joaquin about implementing new testing procedures and facilities for Americans and Canadians returning home. The move to provide travelers with testing comes from the Canadian government announcement that it would require all travelers to provide proof of a negative COVID test in order to re-enter Canada. The United States recently mandated a testing entry requirement as well. The Cancun Hotel Association is taking action to protect its two main tourism markets. Several private laboratories have shown interest in providing the testing with the lowest price for tourists being U.S. $100. We will continue to look for better pricing to avoid high costs for our visitors. Four hotels near the airport have also been set up to deal with patients that have tested positive. The infected visitors and their families will be given reduced rates if they are unable to return home due to the positive test result. As of now, Cancun or Mexico does not require a COVID-19 negative test upon entry. However, as I said earlier, Canada and the U.S. now requires a negative COVID test upon re-entry. A man has been arrested at Chicago's O'Hare Airport because he was living in the airport for three months. He managed to live in a high security area undetected for three months. He said he was too scared to go home because of COVID-19. Police in Chicago said the passenger arrived at the airport on a flight from Los Angeles on October 19th and lived in the security zone until he was arrested last Saturday. The Los Angeles man managed to go all that time undetected at the airport, which is the world's busiest for takeoffs and landings, and survived off of food from passengers. His plan 
came unstuck when two United staffers asked to see his identification and he presented an airport ID badge that had been reported missing by an operations manager in October. Police were called and Mr. Singh was arrested and charged with impersonation in a restricted area of the airport and theft of less than $500. New York's Guggenheim Museum has appointed its very first black deputy director and chief curator. Naomi Beckwith was the senior curator at Chicago's Museum of Contemporary Art. Beckwith was named to the role after the former artistic director and chief curator Nancy Spector stepped down amid accusations of racism. Beckwith said, I'm excited to join the Guggenheim and its passionate team at a pivotal moment. Adding, I look forward to merging our shared goals of expanding the story of art and also working to shape a new reality for arts and culture. According to the museum, Beckwith will oversee collection, exhibitions, publications, curatorial programs and archives at the museum's New York location, as well as add direction to other Guggenheim locations around the world. Her position also gives her a seat on the executive leadership team, where she will play an instrumental role in shaping the museum's vision. She will step into her new role in June. And Kenya has named Naomi Campbell as its new tourism ambassador. Naomi Campbell wants to inspire people to travel to Kenya. The supermodel who is known for showing her love for the continent was recently selected as the official international ambassador of tourism for the East African country. Naomi Campbell has agreed to be Magical Kenya International Tourism Ambassador. And that is some welcome and exciting news. But unfortunately, there are 10 countries that are suffering the biggest tourism revenue loss during COVID-19. And the United States is one of them. The United States has reported more COVID-19 cases and deaths than any other country in the world as of January, 2021. What's more, the United States has experienced the biggest tourism revenue loss due to the pandemic, missing out on a remarkable $147.245 billion in the first 10 months of 2020. Many states have cracked down on travel in an effort to slow the spread of COVID-19, but the country as a whole has also implemented bans on travel from key markets, including Europe. The nine other countries suffering the biggest tourism revenue loss due to COVID-19 are Spain, France, Thailand, Germany, Italy, the United Kingdom, Australia, Japan, and Hong Kong. Well, we are certainly all hoping for a recovery. And we think that the vaccines will certainly be a major part in that recovery process. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit travelingculturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you visit that website, travelingculturati.com, so you can connect with me on social media. And don't forget to join that travel club. And now, Javon's Travel Minute. Have you checked your passport's expiration date lately? Well, if you haven't, it's a good time to take a peek. Even if your passport doesn't expire for months, it's a good idea to start the process now for renewal. Many countries have an entry requirement that your passport has validity beyond the last date of travel to that country. That period could be anywhere from 30 days to six months. And in addition, the passport agency reopened with a backlog and minimal staff just a few months ago, and the current processing is between 10 to 12 weeks. The expedited service is still available. However, that service's processing time is currently four to six weeks, according to the State Department's website. Also remember that the expedited service includes an additional fee. In the event you have an emergency situation and need immediate international travel, you can make an in-person appointment. 
For full details on passport renewal, go to travel.state.gov. This is Javon, and that was your Travel Minute. Today we're talking about winter jaunts. Now, when you think of winter jaunts, there are two categories, snow bunnies and snowbirds. Snow bunnies embrace the cold and flock to winter weather activities, and snowbirds escape the cold and flee their winter conditions for destinations with sun, sea, and sand, and most importantly, temperatures that are above at least 60 degrees. We're talking about both today, with destinations to suit both snow bunnies and snowbirds, or as I said earlier, flockers or fleers. <laughs> snow bunnies typically head north to the mountains, rivers, and to the lakes for activities that are in the adventure category. Skiing, snowmobiling, snowboarding, ice skating, and enjoying the great, albeit cold, outdoors. A uh, special nod to those ice fishers. <laughs> I see them out my window on Lake Michigan. Absolutely crazy. Snowbirds, on the other hand, head south for the beach, the tropics, or to those destinations in the southern hemisphere boasting the opposite season. So let's first take a look into the former. Winter jaunts for our flocking snow bunnies. The destinations I'm exploring today are mostly in the United States. The U.S. has some wonderful winter getaways, starting probably with the motherland of winter jaunts, Alaska. Certainly if you're a fan of winter sports, snowy scenery, Alaska is a must visit. And I must confess to you, it's on my to-do list. I have been trying to get to Alaska for quite some time and my busy travel and business schedule just didn't afford me to do it. But in the coming years, I am definitely gonna be working on that list and Alaska is probably in the top 10. Now there are a slew of ways to explore Alaska. You can go to an anchorage from glacier hikes to dog sledding tours. And of course, that famous Iditarod, that race that kicks off every March. You can take a ride further inland aboard the Alaska Railroad Aurora Winter Train. That's from Fairbanks to Anchorage. And it traces through Alaska's wild backcountry. Now, aside from soaking in the spellbinding scenery and wildlife, you can get your heart racing with cross-country skiing on lesser-known trails in Talkeetna. And then, of course, if you need to warm up, there are some places that you can do that, too. But you're not escaping the cold. It's just maybe some warm plunges that you can take in a nice hot tub or something like that. But it is certainly a winter wonderland, and there are some wonderful lodges and places that you can stay from the rustic to the luxurious. There's also the National Historic Trail that's part of the Iditarod, a 15-acre retreat that offers snowshoeing. And you can learn all about Alaska's human and natural history at the Museum of the North. And let's not forget Northern Lights, which are visible from September to March. And my understanding is it has to be very, very clear and cold for you to see the Northern Lights. That too's on my list. Then there's Aspen, Colorado. If you wanna walk in a real life winter wonderland, you can certainly head to an alpine scenery. And they're said to have some well-groomed slopes. As you can probably tell, I haven't been to a lot of winter <laughs> destinations. I'm more on the winter escape side of it. So I had to really resort to a lot of other travel professionals and their list of winter jaunts for snow bunnies. But that too is on my list. Skiing. I have to put skiing on my list. Aspen Mountain or Buttermilk have two powder slopes and what I would definitely look forward to are those post-ski cocktails. <laughs> uh, but I certainly would try my hand at skiing. And again, you know, whether you're on a budget or you have a large budget to spend, Aspen, Colorado is a great place for you to visit and it has something for everyone. One thing I think I will try 
in my quest for skiing is the Black Ski Group that heads to Canada every year over the Martin Luther King weekend. Now, obviously, they didn't get a chance to go this year, but it has become a must-attend for winter getaway for urban socialites across the world. It covers four days and three nights at the world-renowned Blue Mountain Ski Resort in Canada, and it's held on the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday weekend to celebrate, of course, the civil rights leader's vision for equality for all. And the event begins with a dedication ceremony to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And it features tours to the famous Underground Railroad Museum that's located near the ski resort. And there are, of course, a ton of winter festival activities, both indoors and outdoors. Of course, skiing, snowboarding, tubing, foods, social events, nighttime parties. I think that would be a great introduction for me or anyone who is maybe a first-time skier because you have the camaraderie of a group of folks that I'm sure it can help you along the way. It's at a great resort that is known for its skiing. It's a ski resort. So there's a lot of instruction there and you'll find me on the bunny slope, I'm sure. But yeah, I think this would be a great event to attend and it certainly is one that'll be on my list, maybe even for January, 2022. Now a destination you may not immediately think about is Taos, New Mexico in the Southwest. It's actually a great area for skiing. Local ski area offers high altitude trails and stunning panoramic vistas with fantastic mountain restaurants. Now you may be saying you haven't been there, so how do you know? But I've seen a lot of the images and I did a lot of online research as I said, for some of the experts and what their lists of winter jaunts for those who are embracing the cold for those snow bunnies to come up with my list of these winter jaunts. And, you know, perfect landscape and the culture of the Midwest is another thing to appreciate. Minnesota. Now, I have been to Minnesota, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and I've been in the winter, but I didn't spend a lot of time outside and I mainly went for shopping, but it's a great destination to check out. Of course, they have some snow-covered parks. It's a great place for the holidays. And now we have Paisley Park. So if you're a Prince fan, it's something that you definitely want to do. As I said before, I went and I did the Mall of America. But yeah, now on my list is Prince's Paisley Park. I was going to go this past year, but I had to cancel my plans. And so I'm looking forward to do that. Maybe I'll have to do it in the winter when you can indulge in some of those winter activities like sleigh rides and snowboarding. And New York City, that's an all-time favorite. Now you know that I've been to New York many, many times, and there's a reason that I've been many, many times. And I've been every time of the year, winter, spring, summer, and fall. And every time is a wonderful time. New York City is just alive. Of course, during the holidays, you have the Nutcracker, you have ice skating at Rockefeller Center, the Christmas tree light, and of course, there's Fifth Avenue, whether you want to window shop or actually spend money and shop. <laughs> it's just a great place to hang out. And then of course, theater, just lots and lots of theater. So New York is a year round destination with festivities for every season. So definitely one to put on the list and some great holiday shopping too. But again, remember that winter goes until March. So you have some wonderful winter activities from December, just before the holidays, either the 20th, 21st or 22nd, depending on the solstice and then all the way until March. For a scenic drive, you can go to Virginia and their Skyline Drive. Shenandoah National Park is simply gorgeous. Something else that I have done because I lived in the Washington DC area, the DMV as they have called it now, originally from DC. And if you are a nature lover and you just want to see spectacular landscapes, that Skyline Drive and Shenandoah National Park. If you follow me, you know that I have always on road trips, show on different programs that I've done, Virginia's Skyline Drive and Shenandoah Park is often one that I recite. But certainly in the winter, there are some beautiful landscapes snow blanketed oaks and 500 miles of trails along the Appalachian Trail. You can enjoy some skiing, some snowshoeing, and some of those other cold weather pastimes and activities, but that drive is absolutely beautiful. Now, let's talk about some of our 
snowbird destinations. And I'm more in that category than I am in the snow bunnies. For so many years, I used to, immediately after the Christmas holiday, head off to the Caribbean somewhere. For several years in a row, I took off to Hawaii. And my wedding anniversary is in late January. So that's another reason that we would always go on travel during that time. But again, in that category of escaping the cold, fleeing the cold, definitely a snowbird. One of my favorite destinations is Miami Beach, South Miami Beach. It's just a lot to do there. I do love the beach. I do love the sand and the sun and water activities. But I also like a city and nightlife and lots of things to do. So that's why I like Miami Beach, because you have it all there. But South Beach, with the Art Deco buildings, wonderful restaurants, you have Ocean Drive, great people watching, botanical gardens, you just have so many things to do. And last week, when I talked about where to go to Woosah, I remember that, Canyon Ranch Resort and Spa in Miami. So you get the best of it all. You get to flee the cold, hang out at a wonderful resort where you can get some woosah. And then, of course, you have all the wonderful nightlife and everything else that South Beach has to offer. And the U.S. Virgin Islands, you have St. Thomas and you have St. John. St. Thomas is the larger and is the gateway isle of the U.S. Virgin Islands. And you don't need a passport. It's known, of course, for its beaches, snorkeling spots, and the territorial capital is Charlotte Amelie that was founded by the Danish in the 1600s. It's also a very busy cruise ship port, but there's a lot of history there. Historic buildings include the 1679 watchtower called Blackbeard's Castle, and that's, of course, in reference to the pirate history Wonderful resorts for the most budget-friendly to the most posh. Of course, wonderful beaches, fun in the sun, restaurants, nightlife, all of that. And of course, for the smaller and smallest of the three U.S. Virgin Islands is St. John. And there's no airport there, so it's almost untouched. The only way to get there is by ferry. No cruise ship ports. So it's very small. So you have to go into St. Thomas and then you can catch a ferry. So whether you're staying in St. John, you can also go by ferry by day for a day trip. And so you can go and spend maybe one night, maybe just go in the morning and come back in the evening because they do have the ferry that goes often. But the beautiful waters, great snorkeling, wonderful beaches like Trunk Bay. You have Emerald Peaks, Verdant Groves. So you can do some hiking as well. And they have some very close-up views to tropical gardens and a great winter escape. And one of my all-time favorite Caribbean destinations is Jamaica. And it's been a few years since I've been, actually quite a number of years since I've paid a visit to Jamaica. But it's still one of my favorites for the culture, for great food, music, and of course, the people. And they do have some wonderful areas and beaches and water activities. You can go to Negril, which is said to be more for like the true Jamaican, you know, the traveler who considers himself the true Jamaican. Montego Bay is where most will fly into. They do have a cruise ship port there as well. And then, of course, a bit further away, although with the new road, I remember back in the day, it would take a long time to get from Montego Bay to Ocho Rios by road, but these days you can get there a bit quicker. The same with Negril as well. So no matter where you stay, you're going to have a good time in Jamaica. And then there's Hawaii. Hawaii, as I talked about before, I used to go for my anniversary every year to Hawaii. You have Maui, which is one of my favorite destinations. There's not a lot of nightlife there, but definitely for some R&R. And there's a lot of things that you can do. The road to Hana is one that you can take advantage of. It's a full day journey and see if you can survive the road to Hana. They have hairpin turns, beautiful scenery along the coast as you're getting there and up the mountain. One of the things that you can do is go up to Haleakula. 
and see the sun rise. Now, that is a fantastic experience. And one thing that folks do after seeing the sunrise high above at Haleakula, you can bike down the hill and have a wonderful breakfast afterwards and then continue down and around the road to Hana. I've gone a few times and I've had a few family or friends with us and some of them did not survive the road to Hana because of the hairpin turns and winding roads. Some people get car sick. <laughs> so warning, if you get car sick, take something for it and maybe just take it at a slower pace. Kanapali Beach is a very popular stretch of beach there. And again, no shortage of resorts. Then Kauai. Kauai is certainly one of my favorite destinations too. Smaller, a bit more laid back. They have some black sand beaches there. Very western or country-like, but they do have some very lush greenery. It's actually called the Garden Isle. They have one of the wettest spots on earth. It's not a very large spot, but it's one. <laughs> it's definitely in, in the park area there. But beautiful, beautiful scenery. And again, if you want to get some rest and relaxation, it's a great, great place to go. New Orleans, Louisiana. Yes, one of my favorite places. You're not talking about scorching temperatures. You're not talking about the 80s and 90s, but you do have some very pleasant temperatures in New Orleans, in Louisiana that time of the year. And it's called the Big Easy because there's just a magnificent year-round party, basically. There's just so many things that are happening in New Orleans. And of course, year-round, but Mardi Gras is probably the biggest event in the winter months. So just some of the things that you want to participate in while you're there, there's the annual Sugar Bowl New Year's Eve parade. It's a great place to bring in the new year actually, but anytime that you're going, you can go to the Carousel Piano Bar and Lounge. And then don't forget to go to Cafe Dumont and get that beignet. And I love the chicory coffee. Not everybody likes it, but I do love the chicory coffee. There is one destination that I put on the list because a friend of mine now resides there most of the year. And it's a place that I'll be visiting often. And that is San Antonio, Texas. Now, San Antonio, they have their famous river walk that has a lot of activity and again, you're not talking about scorching temperatures or fun in the sun, sea and sand, that kind of thing. But you are talking about a place that's going to have some very mild temperatures, a place that you could enjoy year round. And it's probably a better time of the year so that the temperatures aren't so hot and a bit more enjoyable because, you know, Texas can be a bit humid. So during the winter is a good time to go and definitely the river walk that you want to take advantage of or to pay a visit to. And of course, Tex-Mex. I think it's the home of Tex-Mex and definitely a culinary that you want to try. Now let's talk about some of those Southern Hemisphere destinations. Again, we're talking about the winter escapes, those snowbirds. Now, the Southern Hemisphere, they're going to have seasons that are opposite of ours because, of course, of the location. So you're talking about those destinations that in our winter months are their summer months. Argentina is one such place that I have fallen in love with again. I mean, I went maybe 30 years ago, fell in love with the destination, but then it had been a long time since I had gone back, and I went back a couple of years ago and reminded me what I love so much about the destination. One is that it's in the Southern Hemisphere, and it's summer in our winter. <laughs> so the temperatures are quite warm, but it's a European-style city with a Latin-European mix culture. And then, of course, Argentina has wine country. Yes, they're known for their Malbec varietal. And, of course, you can visit Iguazu Falls. A lot of people think of Brazil when they think of Iguazu Falls, but uh, Iguazu Falls actually is in three countries. The two most popular, of course, is Brazil and Argentina. I actually like the Argentinian side. It's much more widespread. You can actually see more dimensions of the falls from the Argentine area. But the city of Buenos Aires, I love going to 
Mendoza, which is the wine country of Argentina, to explore some wonderful Malbec. And then, of course, as I said, Iguazu Falls. Does that sound like I already have an itinerary mapped out? Well, I do. (laughs) So stay tuned for 2022. We will be going to Argentina for that exact itinerary. So if you want to experience it with me, again, make sure you join that travel club. Didn't mean for that to be a sales pitch, but as I thought about it, it was like, okay, you wrote out your itinerary here. (laughs) And if you know me, you know one of my favorite Southern Hemisphere destinations is South Africa. Yes, one of my favorite destinations, and it makes for a great winter getaway. Now, a lot of people favor Cape Town, and I love Cape Town. It's absolutely beautiful. And one of the things that we do is drive along the Cape Coast, and it is breathtaking. The mountain backdrop, the coastal areas, the Atlantic Ocean, and then where the two oceans meet, the Indian Ocean and the Atlantic Ocean. Now, there's not a line or anything like that, but climbing up some of the mountains and or taking the cable car up, and the view, the, the view is just breathtaking. But I also love Johannesburg. Johannesburg, I think, is the soul of South Africa. It's rich in culture, it's very progressive, and it's the trendsetter of South Africa, and actually probably of Africa as well. And then, of course, in South Africa, you have the wildlife absolutely wonderful wildlife. Going on safari, there are many opportunities to go on safari, of course, closer to Johannesburg in an area called Pilanesburg, and you can drive from Johannesburg to get there and to see the Big Five, some wonderful resorts and spa lodges, as they're called there. And then there's also Kruger National Park. You can drive, but it's going to take you quite some time to drive there. But you can take a flight that will shorten that. And again, just superb wildlife and superb lodges, safari lodges. It's definitely experience that you have to have once in a lifetime. Sunrise and a sunset game drive with a sundowner. That's a cocktail at sundown. Yay. (laughs) And then Australia. Australia is another one of my favorite destinations. Now, a lot of people, again, talk about Sydney, and I do love Sydney. You have the Opera House. And take a tour, a backstage tour of the Opera House. It is phenomenal to do. You have Bondi Beach. But what I love is Melbourne. It leads the way for me and is the art capital of the country. It's also the home of the Australian Open, the first tennis Grand Slam of the year that's typically in January. This year it's going to be in February, uh, only because everything's different since COVID. (laughs) And it'll be the, uh, I think it starts February 9th this year, but it is typically the end of January and it is a great time to go. And Melbourne is also where the wine country is. In Australia, they have some wonderful wines there. One thing you can do is take what they call Puffing Billy. And it's a little choo-choo train, a little steam engine train that takes you around to different areas. And you can uh, take in some of the landscape and scenery along the way. Um, Victoria Station is another great thing for all you foodies out there. Taking a tour of Victoria Station, wonderful local eats. You can do a tasting tour throughout, but just to go there and do some shopping and wonderful museums in Melbourne as well. And then again, as I said, in Sydney, the famous, the iconic opera house, and they bring in a great new year. Maybe we should do that one year, do a New Year's Eve celebration in another country and be one of the first to say Happy New Year around the world. And then, of course, you have the Great Barrier Reef. I think it's one of the natural wonders of the world. It's definitely a must-do to go snorkeling or, if you scuba, near and around the Great Barrier Reef. Well, I hope that you have enjoyed my winter jaunts for snowbirds and snow bunnies. So again, whether you're flocking to winter destinations or you're fleeing the cold, a winter jaunt should definitely be on your list. If not now, certainly for the future. We have 2022 coming up where everyone feels travel is going to hugely rebound. So if you're considering that, 
Make your reservations now because everything's going to be booked solid. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm Javon Harley, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. Make sure you head on over to the website, travelingculturati.com. Check it out. And while you're there, follow me on social media. We do some fun things on social media. And a lot of you are already following us and sharing with us some of your travel experiences. Right now, we have a virtual scavenger hunt that we're doing where each day we post what the scavenger hunt is. And we want you to post your pictures on those things that you've collected during your past travels a lot of fun. And you all have some great things that you're doing. And I just love to see how other people travel. So please share that with me. Culture is forever changing and reflecting what's happening in the society and with its people. It can be born from the arts, music, food, and sometimes politics and strife. This is the Culture Report on Mardi Gras 2021. Mardi Gras is underway, and we want to know how it will be celebrated this year. Mark Romig, Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer for New Orleans and Company, the city's destination marketing organization, is on the phone with me to tell us all about it. Well, hello, Mark, and welcome to Traveling Culturati. Hey, Javon. Happy Mardi Gras from New Orleans. Yes, and you're right. It has already begun, hasn't it? Yeah, it kicked off on January the 6th, which is King's Day, and it uh, is a day of revelry in which we begin to mark the days to count down to Mardi Gras Day itself. And we are expecting a different Mardi Gras, a little bit different this year, but it still means that we'll celebrate this age-old celebration in a typical New Orleans way. Yes. Well, Mark, in addition to your current position, you've been with New Orleans Tourism for many years, first as the president CEO of the New Orleans Tourism Marketing Corporation for Leisure Tourism, and love this fact, you succeeded your father in 2013 as the stadium announcer for the New Orleans Saints in 2013. How fun is that? That's correct, yes. (laughs) in my eighth season with the Saints. My dad did it for 44 years. He never missed a game while he was announcing 446 consecutive games. He did. And it's a lot of fun. It's a family affair because my sister is my spotter, which means she watches the action on the field and makes sure that what comes out of my mouth is appropriate and accurate. And my brother Jay works for the Saints on a full-time basis, and he is the senior director of administration. So he's up in the booth with us as well, and he runs the scoreboard. Wow. So I bet in all these years, you've experienced many changes and challenges to many New Orleans events. So how does that relate to Mardi Gras? Well, it's a very resilient city, as you know its history. We came back and everyone thought we couldn't do Mardi Gras right after Katrina, but it was a way for us to come together as a city and do something that Really, everyone is involved in from all sectors of the city, all neighborhoods, and it's a way that we just celebrate life in a very positive way. And while parades won't roll this year, there'll be no large crowds or events as the health and safety of our community is a priority. That doesn't mean that Mardi Gras is canceled. It's just what we're calling it modified, and it just shows the resilience of the people here. So uh, we expect it to still celebrate well, and people will continue eating well here. (laughs) Well, that's one thing. And I have done that myself. I have eaten my way through New Orleans to the point that I was in a stupor almost, but (laughs) enjoyed the whole process. (laughs) Well, you could get into a stupor with the king cake. As you know, that's our official cake of the season. And people begin buying those on January the 6th. And it's traditionally made with like a sweet brioche dough with cinnamon filling and a glazed icing finish. But They have adapted over the years to have all sorts of fillings and all sorts of icing finishes, and it really does officially mark the start of Mardi Gras. So a slice of king cake is what you want to get. And you can also call into one of the many places that bake these and have it delivered to you all over the world. So you can find those locations on neworleans.com and our website. But it's delicious. If you have never had a king cake, I 
strongly suggest you get a king cake. Have you ever gotten the baby? Oh, yes. I've gotten the baby, and I'm glad you brought that up because the, the tradition is there's a small token, and lately they're like little plastic baby doll figures in the dough, and it's as it bakes, it's in one of the sections of this cake, and it's a round cake with a center hole. And if you get the slice that contains the baby, or the bean, as it's sometimes called, it's your responsibility to buy the next cake and host a king cake event. So it's always fun to find out who gets the baby in the cake. Tell us, how will Mardi Gras look this year? Well, as we said earlier, the parades are not rolling, but many of the crews and the parading organization, they call themselves crews, K-R-E-W-E-S for the most part. The Rex organization, which is the king of carnival, refers to themselves as the school of design, the Rex organization. But for the most part, these crews have adapted. For instance, the crew of Bacchus, one of the most anticipated super crews of the Mardi Gras season. They've had reigning monarchs like Bob Hope, Danny Kaye, Raymond Burr, Glenn Campbell over the years. They couldn't pass up the opportunity to let 2021 go by without creating a free interactive app with virtual games and real-life prizes. So they've created this mini parade for a chance to capture digital throws. And so they've moved into, you know, working on a virtual basis. The crew of Red Beans, we have a crew called the Crew of Red Beans, (laughs) traditionally parading on the day before Mardi Gras and dedicated to Red Beans and Rice, which is another great staple of the New Orleans culinary scene. They've been a leader this past year with the pandemic and raising funds for those affected by the pandemic, particularly in the hospitality industry and the first responders. So instead of parading this year, that crew is hosting a socially distant concert series through this month of January, which will culminate in an album. And you can go to the Crew of Red Beans site and get tickets and be on the lookout for when the album drops as well. And then a most interesting thing is happening. This is called the Crew of House Floats. This is a new non-traditional crew created specifically for this time that we're living in and it calls on members and neighborhoods all across the city to transform the exterior of their homes into a float creating an opportunity for spectators to drive by and remain safe from others that's sort of the mother of ingenuity is happening here and so that's an interesting way so you see these crews that are saying we can't parade We'll hold off on buying any throws until next year. But in the meantime, we still want to celebrate our traditions and make up some new traditions as well. I do want to mention that our newspaper here, the New Orleans Advocate, their website is nola.com, N-O-L-A.com. They are producing a three-night broadcast on Friday, February 12th, Saturday the 13th, and then Sunday, February 14th, leading up to Fat Tuesday, which is Mardi Gras Day. That showcases the best of New Orleans and Mardi Gras. This will be three 90-minute broadcasts, which will feature attractions, restaurants, chefs, musicians, these Mardi Gras crews that I just mentioned, and many more. And it'll be broadcast on NOLA.com, YouTube, and Facebook, NOLA.com's Facebook page. And you can go and register to be reminded when that comes around. And we've got people like Hoda Kotb and Ermola Lagasse and Archie Manning, James Carville, Scott Bakula, uh, the lieutenant governor, the governor of Louisiana, and many other celebrities that will be featured. And you'll get a great taste of New Orleans and why Mardi Gras is so special. Wow. Now, will all of these events be complimentary or free online, or will the registration require any purchasing? No. In fact, the one I just mentioned on NOLA.com is free and online. There's going to be a fundraising component of some nonprofits are going to be attached to it so that if somebody wants to donate, they can too to help people who are affected by the pandemic. These other sites, if you go to our website, neworleans.com, you'll find some great information on all of these things that I've mentioned, including how to buy a king cake or how to look at some of these online concerts and visit some of these other great locations in the city that have created these virtual tours. For instance, the Sazerac House is a wonderful new uh, attraction here in New Orleans that speaks to the history of cocktails and you know they say that the cocktail was literally created in the new orleans community many years ago and it will feature both in-person and virtual workshops and you'll be able to learn about carnival traditions and participate in mask making workshops or even watch a cocktail demonstration from home there's just so many things that you can do and i think that's what we've seen across the country and really across the world is that we've all adapted to the challenges that we're under and it's made us you know again to do things to ensure that our culture is seen across the world. What about tourists or visitors who want to come during that time? 
Yes, ma'am. Well, the city is still welcoming visitors under our modified phase one. We're in a modified phase one of a, of a reopening plan. And you can't overstate more than anything else. Wearing a mask or face covering is mandatory statewide throughout Louisiana when out in public. And that's what we ask everyone to do and, and keep your social distance as well. And so the hotels are open. We've got many of our restaurants have reopened. There are a few highlights about that modified uh, phase one that we're under. Restaurants and bars can sell alcohol or including to-go drinks between the hours of 8 a.m. and 11 p.m. And the restaurants are limited to a 25% capacity with no more than six people per table. And that travel group is traveling as a pod. You know, that's that family unit or that unit traveling. They can all sit together. But they're just trying to avoid people outside of your traveling party to be in at the same table. But, you know, we are continuing to message New Orleans as a safe place to visit. The mask mandatory and social distancing, very important. Our mayor has been very strong about this. And, you know, we're all going through this around the, the country right now through a, this third spike. And so we're monitoring it on a very, very careful basis. But we certainly have opportunities at our attractions and our hotels and restaurants for people to enjoy. Talking about all of the things that people can enjoy and also combining that with your phases of COVID protocols, is that information available as well on NewOrleans.com? Yes, ma'am, it is. There's a bar that runs across the top of our site that can click and read more about those COVID restrictions. But the NewOrleans.com site is truly a one-stop shop. You can, you can get all the information that you need on things to do, where to eat, where to drink, where to stay. The, you know, Our calendar has changed uh, drastically because the festivals are not able to participate as they have normally done. But we expect that to happen later on this year as we come through this period of everyone, as many people as possible, getting a vaccination. But you'll see a good opportunity to find out a lot of information by going to neworleans.com. We're starting to hear conversation that some of our festivals will start getting back into play sometime in the fall. Essence, as you've mentioned, as we've discussed, should be back here sometime this summer. And then our French Quarter Fest and Jazz Fest, all of those should start rolling back in, hopefully, in the fall. And then we get back into a 2022 calendar year, into a, a regular year. Give us a great New Orleans Mardi Gras send-off. Well, you know, Mardi Gras is alive and kicking in New Orleans. And as we like to say at the stadium, first down, save! (laughs) Mark, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. Well, that's it for the show today. Wherever you go, go with all your heart. Confucius. Ladies and gentlemen! This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Ladies and gentlemen.